1: Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love Radio Show. And I've got another Thriver story for you and I have a really lovely Thriver today. I think she's really the Nigella Lawson of the NARP community. She's um, totally, totally, Suzanne is amazing with her recipes and uh, Tammy Boas and I and a few other people, we say... Suzanne is the reason why we have to exercise because we <laughs> see her recipes all the time and I'll be working away and then up pops one of her creations. Actually, it's a picture of something beautiful she's done and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hungry and I'm off to the fridge. So, <laughs> so, but anyway, Suzanne is a lovely thriver and of course, being a part of this community, she's been through enough experience. And so I'd like to share her story and and share Suzanne with the community. So a lot of you already know her, but the people who don't. So Suzanne, welcome and thank you for coming on. Thanks, Mel. I'm really glad to be here too. Yeah, it's just so gorgeous. And you're another Aussie. You know, I don't have too many Aussies on. I usually have a lot of Americans and Canadians. and But it's great to have a fellow Aussie on. Oh, wonderful. Well, yes, um, definitely that. <laughs> yes, from, from WA over the other side of Australia from where I am. So, Suzanne, you know, look, the thing is for a lot of us with NARP experiences, you know, a lot of our stuff really started a lot earlier than the NARP. Well, for all of us, it did. Now, you definitely had a pretty profoundly painful childhood and I think we're going to start off your story at that point because a lot of people will be able to relate as well. But can you, yeah, please share your story
0: of your childhood? Okay, well, um, my childhood was difficult because um, at my birth, my mother was anaesthetised because that's what they did in those days. And I don't know why, but they did. And following my birth, uh, we'd moved to the goldfields and my mother was extremely depressed for the first year of my life. And my father was really involved with his mother and he wasn't really available for me. So that's how I entered the world. And then when I was 15 months old, I was walking when I was nine months old and I must have trodden on a nail or something and I contracted osteomyelitis and pneumonia. What's osteomyelitis? What is that? Oh, it's a very, very nasty bone disease that you get somehow like tetanus. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. So from the infection, yeah. Yeah, it's really nasty and um, you can have your limbs amputated because of it because it's a very, very serious illness. Right. And so I was really sick and having convulsions and I was in a coma and in intensive care and visitors weren't encouraged so I was left alone in the hospital as a little baby and it was really scary Mm. and then um, three months after that my sister was born and I was 18 months old and she and I never got on from the day she was born and we always fought and her life's beginning was really really different to mine and by then my mum had recovered from her depression that I always felt overshadowed by my sister and she was allowed to express her emotions and I don't know why, but I never felt like I belonged in my family and I really never felt understood or loved by them. Um, Mm. I think
1: a lot of people can, you know, relate to that where they feel like they've been the black sheep or they felt like they've been the outsider or they never quite fit it in, yeah
0: yeah well I was that one I was the scapegoat and the black sheep and the every other colour sheep you could have Yeah. but um, as a child my mother didn't mean to be neglectful of me but she was because she didn't know how to um, parent and so I just wandered the neighbourhood and she didn't teach me how to live in the world so I was never hugged or told that I was loved so I was just like this little wild child I think
1: yeah and isn't that the thing you know when parents are unconscious or they're carrying their own wounding and they don't know how to show up and be present that's all sorts of things absolutely emanate from that
0: well it does and it took a long time to get over my mother I always thought she meant to do these things to me but I just ended up feeling really sad because I realized she's a victim of her childhood but I had to get on with my life and they did a good job in providing a roof for our heads and nourishing food, and we were kept clean, sent to school, and there were heaps of kids treated the same in Australian homes at that time. That's so, so true. I don't think
1: yeah, I think that.
0: Yeah, you, know, you know that was so true
1: because the emphasis was really on survival, and that's what the older relationships were about. They're about getting on with them, and they're about survival and it's only now that we're up leveling into more evolutionary relationships where a a mutuality and a connection and a greater emotional intelligence is is becoming the forefront but back then it wasn't it just Mm. it wasn't so you also had you know a really hard experience growing up in regard to your father and what happened with him
0: yeah well Tragically, I can remember the day he died, and um, I woke up in the morning. There was my dad leaving to go to the city, and he died. Um, it was an October day, and it was three weeks after his mother died. And he was coming back to the town in which we're living, and he was killed instantly in a car crash wow. in which he was a passenger. And um, I was just a month short of my tenth birthday. Yeah, he died, and um, I never felt anything. I For many years, I never felt anything about his death. Nothing. Anyway, after he died... Yeah, isn't
1: that interesting? And do you think that was because maybe your mum had never connected to you, that you were already numbed out? Like,
0: what what do you think that was about? I think it was about the fact that I was never treated like a person and I can never remember anyone talking to me, holding me, um, answering questions, all the things that... You know i couldn't go to anyone for a hug i mean i didn't know how to ask that it wasn't part of my experience well that's right
1: and then unconsciously it would have been well you know well i can't cry because i've got nobody there to hold me or nurture me so i'm just gonna numb out to this
0: well i numbed out a lot more um right from the time i was very small because my wounding started very very young in life and yeah um So I think that right from the word go, um, I was punished for feeling and I was punished for everything. So when you get beaten when you're little, you just learn not to say anything because no one really cares about you. So I didn't know anything more really. That's right. That's
1: right. So moving on to your first relationship, you, you were young. Right, well your dad had gone when you were nearly 10 and so how old were you and what happened with this relationship?
0: Well, um, my mother moved us to a seaside suburb of Scarborough which is near the beach. Obviously that's the seaside, isn't it? Silly me. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) We, we moved there and I remember thinking, oh, this place is so cool because it had hills and you could see the ocean and it was just lovely. And there was this really nice guy and he lived um, three houses away and I was 15 and um, I asked him to my first school ball and he was a lovely person and his dad had died when he was really young and anyway I thought he was just amazing and we started a relationship and um, I had no father, and he was four years older than me. Yeah. And somehow he became Which is a
1: significant
0: star. when you're 15.
1: Like a 19-year-old yeah. guy when you're 15 is, you know, that's quite mature.
0: Well, he was. I thought he was very mature at age 19. Yeah. And he had a car. And exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. And I was so shallow back in those days. Yeah, he's got a really cool car and he's really nice looking. That'll do. Yeah, and so, yeah, um, yeah. We just connected and we were together quite a long time and um, I learned a lot about being cared for from him because in a lot of ways he was wounded but very caring and um, we used to go camping and all sorts of things and um, it was in a lot of ways. He gave me a lot of fathering that I never got from my own father.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how did that relationship end? What happened with that?
0: Oh, it ended in a really strange way because... um, I think I wanted more and he wasn't prepared to go that distance yeah, okay. and I also became a Christian at the same time and I got yeah. really frightened and anyway it was just very messy and um, I was unhappy because I'd started to learn about communication and sharing how you feel yeah. and he wasn't into that yeah, and Okay. that's about it really and isn't that sort of
1: interesting because the pattern coming into this was you know unavailable people that aren't showing up and connecting that was really the parenting you had and then Mm. your father leaving and then you know this guy and then you're starting to step up into more connection and more of that but you know he's just he's just not available to take that step with you
0: no, and he did actually say... He said, look, you know, you'll end up leaving me. And I thought that was a very strange thing for anyone to say. And he said that years before we finished with wow. each other. And yeah. And he also said, I'm an emotional pygmy. Right. He had to acknowledge that about himself. And Yeah, he, okay. he was just a lovely guy. Yeah. And, you know, we couldn't do anything more. That was that. So yeah.
1: That, so what happened with the... So, okay, so you went over to Tasmania,
0: didn't you? Like you, you yes. traveled and,
1: and what happened then?
0: Well, I decided that since I'd become a Christian, I'd go and work for God. Yep. And, and I ended up in Tasmania in this Bible college where um, it was like a community. So I tried to recreate my family, community.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And my family's a farming family. And this was also like a property where you grew plants and you worked on the land as well as studied Bible. But it was, I felt really lonely and isolated because it was just like my family. And it was so painful in the second year that my whole life disintegrated. And I was very depressed and mm. ended up coming back to birth, totally broken. So how old and were you was,
1: then at this point? I uh, was
0: 25.
1: Okay, yep. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. My-
0: I got in touch with all the rage inside me and of course it was all my mother's fault or that's what I thought mm. and so that's normal. I just yep. didn't know what to do I just directed it at the people who were all at fault it was all their fault yes. I'm like this because it's all your fault yes. and that's all I could do then I'd handle it differently now yeah yeah
1: well you've had a deep inner journey now but you know until we until we do a deep inner journey orientation absolutely it's about blame and shame it's about blame and shaming of other
0: people or ourselves or both well that's right so i spend a lot of time being angry with my mother and blaming her for my situation and mm. one day a few years after that um i remember it suddenly hit me when I was in a hospital situation, it suddenly hit me that really that had happened. It wasn't her fault and I had to make up all the lost ground myself. I was left with the damage and I couldn't put the pieces together then. Yeah. And every time I was around my family, they would say and do things and I'd, I'd just get so distressed that I'd end up being in bed for a lot of days with a sort of illness that I couldn't articulate but I just felt like death and really alone and unloved and I didn't know what to do with what I was feeling. So go to bed. You know, you feel really bad, go to bed and after three days it would lift and this feeling had no name.
1: Yeah, and got it had, you.
0: I had no, it had no name. I just knew that yeah. I'd go to bed and in three days I'd feel better enough to get out of bed. And
1: Yeah, so, so you know, the, the fact was that you were depressed and there was a lot of unhealed inner wounds that you hadn't been able to find and up level yet that were like you know sapping and pulling your energy and, and taking down your life force you know that's what depression is
0: yep and every time I went near my family it would trigger it there that's lots right of that's it would right trigger it and bang I'd be really crying and back in bed again and I had some friends, but I didn't want to be on my own, and I didn't feel any joy. I couldn't articulate anything, mm. and I just used to like spending money. I'd just buy stuff, and didn't care about having it, but I'd just buy it, and I'd get a little high. Yeah, and that's a good description. Then, yep, and that's what I would do, and I had no name for that either.
1: Yeah, you're in survival, and doing the best you could. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course.
0: So let's go
1: into the first narcissistic relationship, right? Mhm.
0: So how old were you? That was Paul, right? Yes. Um, I was twenty nine, I think twenty eight or twenty nine when I met him. And soon after we were together I noticed that I mean, our first that should have been an indication. But I noticed that soon after we were together, he would ring me every day. Like, he'd ring me, I don't know, three times a day. We'd see each other quite a few times every mm. week. And I enjoyed the attention. Yes, and, we, and it, we've got all these people in the background going, love bombing. <laughs> yeah, but it was really um, amazingly different because I'd never met anyone like this before. But it wasn't nice. Like,
1: okay. Uh,
0: okay. Yeah, like, Like um, critical attention attention.
1: was it? it, Was it like critical attention? Like,
0: Um, look, it would be nice, um, Mm. but then I'd say something and he'd react badly.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. I I used
0: to feel a sense of shock. Like, like he'd take me out for dinner and we'd have a nice time in the week, but then on the weekends it would be just awful. And you know, I'd just say something and it would trigger something in him. And yeah. I, I, it was like a merry-go-round and I didn't, he'd be verbally cruel and he wouldn't want to listen to anything I'd say Yes, um, and I couldn't understand this and um, once I was trying to share something important with him and he was really um, terse in his response and he said, don't share anything with me because I'm just not interested and I just started crying and there were lots of times like that so I started to um, work with a therapist and it was you know, I was in a lot of pain, I was getting really tired because mm, mm-hmm. I was giving up my life in a way to go and be with him because I had a man, you know?
1: Oh yes, and, oh yes, you know, definitely. Man really yeah, definitely. And
0: really yep. And I've got this man and see I've made it. <laughs> and That's right. Yeah, but yes, but it wasn't nice. No, and no. He needed
1: me. I had a really and interesting conversation with a client today that we were doing a big shift a big clone of freedom healing shift and he's just gorgeous he's part of the community and a few people know him he's just lovely but uh, and he'll know i'm talking about him again but uh, we were doing a shift and it was all about it was all about i gave you everything and you still i still didn't matter that was a shift and then when we got down to the bottom of it of course the the whole answer to this is you know when we hand over our value and we don't value ourselves giving everything somebody our soul and keeping the peace and putting up with abuse and all the things that we do in order to just be in a relationship how on earth can they value us like we've given away our own value you know and then we we want to be valued
0: but we're never going to be valued because like attracts like well that's right and i think in my case i was a fighter and i used to fight back yeah and um so when he was when he would do what he would do, I'd retaliate and fight back. And I said to the therapist, I said, "You know, I do everything for him."
1: Yeah. And she yeah.
0: me and said, "Yes, Suzanne, but that's not love." And I, I had no idea what she meant. I thought, well, yeah. I'm doing stuff for him, but I didn't understand about love then. And I thought that if you did things for people, a it would guarantee that you got loved, Correct. and b it was yeah. love. Correct. And it wasn't.
1: No, it's but I, not. You know, that's that's right it's out of our neediness and our fear you know well you can ensure my survival i'm going to be safe you know if i have a man or whatever reason it is but it is not love you know giving to get and ensuring survival or love or approval is not love it's not but we didn't know any different you know that's just we were operating out of our old wounds and our young wounds and our survival programs and we hadn't healed that stuff yet
0: well that's right and I was definitely giving to get and that's what I thought love was because that's what the model I had was you give and then you get it's got strings attached so I had to own that and I learned yeah I'm giving to get and it, and I learned once I learned that that was using people I stopped that and I remember the first time I ever um was given a pillow by someone and she gave it to me it was a cushion and she gave it and I wondered why she gave me the cushion and she said, hold that. And it took many years to realize that I had to learn to do it for me.
1: But yes. I always
0: thought that if I gave to people, they'd love me back. And it never happened. So yeah. um, that was my experience with, hi- with him. And um, once um, when I was a few minutes late, he'd do things like throw a phone at me. And I was really scared. So there were incidents like that. And the other thing that was fascinating, and I didn't know about this then either, is that when there was an argument, I'd try to talk about it, and the arguments would go nowhere, because he would say, let's talk about this. And I was of the mind, okay, we share the problem, and he sees my point of view, and and then he does something to make it better, and we go on nicely. But I couldn't understand why... um, and I know this now, it's called gaslighting. When he said we'd talk and it would be okay, all that happened is that we'd talk for hours, I'd get really exhausted, yeah. nothing would change, yes. and I'd barely function at work. Yeah, yeah, you would
1: suck dry, and he'd have a yes. whole lot of narcissistic supply by triggering you off and upsetting you. And, and uh, you know, I'm really significant because I exist, because I can affect you this way. That's the narcissist trap, you know. Well,
0: what? Of Big time and Yeah, well we
1: did because we weren't we weren't in our power and we were just handing over energy and power, you know, trying to survive out of our wounds because we hadn't up leveled yet, exactly.
0: Yeah, and my friends wouldn't come to the house because he would alienate every one of my friends and do things so they wouldn't want to come. Yeah. And I just started to feel so confused. I'd never been in a relationship like this. I was really trapped I was in so much pain. I didn't mm. know what to do. Couldn't talk to anyone except my therapist. And I didn't know this thing had a name.
1: And yeah,
0: yeah. Even my money, like my own money that I earned, he was angry about what I spent it on. It was my money and he earned lots more. So I always felt like I had to justify why I was spending it. And yeah, you know, I'm thinking, well, why am I having to justify myself but that's what I did because I didn't know more
1: yeah so this story gets even deeper like with him because
0: you had a baby with him well yes because um we wanted to be parents except I recognized later that he wanted to be the child yeah (laughs) and I didn't know that because I thought that when you had a baby, you wanted to parent the child. But actually, he wanted to be the child. And anyway, um, when I was pregnant, it took a while to conceive because we planned her. And I went to stay with a friend and her husband when we were expecting. And it was just beautiful in their home. Um, It was my friend's second baby and we talked about babies and mad jam and all sorts of things like that and it was a lovely week and I felt joyful, peaceful and I was actually happy and yeah. I thought i hope that when I come home that it's going to be like this too but I came home from that week away and I arrived in this cold house and I was just crying. The house felt really cold and dead and I couldn't stop crying and um Anyway, my ex came home from work and he'd made arrangements to go out for dinner um, because he was seeing the same therapist as me and she was teaching him how to care for a woman romantically. So Mm. we go out for dinner. We go to this nice restaurant and I'm pregnant and very up and down and he stares at one of these waitresses and kept denying it and I felt so upset. So when we got home, I confronted him and kept denying his behavior and the marriage guidance counselor had once said to me um look if you say something's white he's going to say it's black yeah and yes he was yeah he gaslighting me yeah of and course i didn't know that there was a word mm. like that then
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um i just knew i felt totally alone and unloved and my needs weren't getting met and my communication wasn't doing anything except making him angry and it was so unbearable well that would have been so hard when you were pregnant well I spent my whole pregnancy crying and I was sick for 20 weeks of it and I think I'm sure a lot of it was emotional and I lost a lot of weight and um, it was terrible because I was thinking how am I going to survive and yet I knew I couldn't stay there it was just um, I was just so so unhappy I I really thought if I stay here I'm going to die here
1: Oh yeah so you did leave. So what happened with that when you left?
0: Well, I came home from that dinner and I told him I was leaving. And over previous months, it was really weird because I had made attempts to leave, and every time I'd been to see an apartment, he'd see me looking at them. um He'd find out and we'd talk, and he'd say, "Oh, things will get better," but they never did. So I felt like I was being pushed and pulled, and I couldn't escape and I thought, this is so weird. Why can't I escape? I've, I'm wanting to go and yet he pulls me back in and I just didn't know how to deal with that. But on this particular night, um, I knew that if I... I'd had enough of what his treatment of me and I knew that if I stayed until the baby was born and I wasn't working, I'd be truly trapped and that would be worse. And so I must have had enough of me there to... Um, to kick in, but I was very confused, so that night I drove to my mother's and um secretly I made arrangements to get all my furniture and belongings out of my home because if i did if I didn't do it when he was at work, oh my life wouldn't have been worth living, so i had to I had to arrange it um very very carefully and make sure I could get in there in the morning when he was at work and get out of there before he came home, yeah. so I had to plan it yeah which it. is
1: the intelligent way to leave people anybody well, that's leaving it really is the intelligent way to leave
0: well you have to because you can't go back I couldn't go back no you can't and go I'm back
1: and you can't and you, you need, need to get out what you need to get out
0: yeah yep. absolutely yep. I made that
1: mistake horrifically
0: yeah well, yeah I knew that if I did he would make my life hell so I planned it all very carefully got the removal van there and got all the furniture farmed out. And um, and when he got home, um, he rang, you know, asking why all the furniture was out of the house. And I said, well, it's my furniture anyway. And he said, I would have given it to you. And I thought, no, it's mine anyway. But he would have, it would have got nasty. So I had to yeah. get it out then, and I did. And I was so glad that I got it out.
1: So you ended up going back home and what happened with that?
0: Oh, that was hard because um, I was anxious about the baby and how I'm going to care for it. Am I going to love it? Um, I've never been a mother before. And at my mother's house it was a really hard experience and she kept telling me to get over myself because I was so upset and I had to think of the baby and stop crying all the time, stop being so selfish and in actual fact I was in shock and I was really confused, I was full mm. of grief and she she wasn't tolerant about that at all and I was just so, I was a baby really inside, wounded and
1: yeah. there was
0: no soft place for me to be and share all this stuff that was going on in me and um, there was a little bedroom in the house that she let me stay in and my brother had one in the front of the house and it would have been more suitable but my brother had left home and he'd been long gone and he only came to Perth every now and then and I asked my mum I said look can I please use that room and she wouldn't let me and it it was the same old story because he was her favorite child and so she wouldn't let me stay in that room and I had all the baby stuff in this tiny little room and I just didn't feel supported or loved by my mother Mm. and I knew something was wrong and anyway Chloe got born um, in the November of that year and my ex was at the birth but the relationship wasn't resolved and He hadn't been supportive in the pregnancy at all and was only really concerned about him. And in my labour, it was too much for him. So he decided to go home and sleep before coming back and then he came back to take photos of her being born. And anyway, my baby daughter was born at five minutes past six that night and it was the most amazing thing. I was just so happy when she got born. And then... um, I was in the hospital, and on the day we were supposed to go home, he suddenly decided that he needed to go to Rotten Island with my stepson for a few days on the day that we're coming home. So anyway, I got back into my mother's house, and here I was, terrified with a new baby all on my own, and I was just really overwhelmed and felt really unsupported.
1: Oh, yeah, you would have. I mean, it was just, there wasn't support anywhere, was there? They're just... No, it was uh, bleak. Yeah, and yeah,
0: yeah. It was just bleak, and um, I, I was just, I didn't know how to be a mother <laughs> wow. at all. Wow, wow. So I was a baby, really, with a baby, because mm. having not been parented myself, that was when all, I got triggered with all the wounds that had happened to me when I was born, so that all came, <laughs> all came to a head, and... Um, My ex came to visit at my mother's house several times and was more engrossed with seeing our child and didn't pay any attention to me. And I thought, oh, I don't want you to come here anymore. Um, I need to get myself on track with my baby. And when he was there, it was just upsetting. So I was sure he was seeing other women and he was very angry when I confronted him and he just ranted on about, It was his right to see his daughter, and I don't have the right to stop him having contact with her. And really, he wasn't concerned with my feelings at all. So I thought, well, I need this for me. And um, I maintained that stance, and Mm. I started to feel better and Mm. more empowered. And I was new to motherhood and breastfeeding, and I was exhausted. And then I got mastitis and was in a lot of pain. And the baby wasn't settled and she woke many times in the nights of feeds for lots of reasons. And so now, here I was, not just a working woman, but a mum who needed to accommodate a child's needs into my life. And um, an unsettled little baby she was too. And when she was about five weeks old... And I guess your
1: mum just really wasn't helping out with that, huh?
0: No, not at all. And... It was very hard because I didn't mm. feel like I could share anything with her and she was not really helpful with the baby. Mm. And I just felt so alone. And I, I really feel for you. I remember, you
1: know, when I had Zach, I remember that, oh my God, I had a shocking birth. It was really, but anyway, my mum came and moved in and she said, right, let me take over you know she was just so good she helped me get him into a routine and oh i don't know where i would have been without her i was so fortunate so i can't imagine how tough that would have been
0: well it was very tough and um i just just stayed with the baby and we got through each day um and i was starting to get used to having her there and um and yeah, it was it was really weird because in some ways I didn't feel like she was my baby yet. And I was getting used to her being there. Yeah, well, and it sort of is a shock, isn't it? You're like, what is this little person? <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and she was very different to what I'd expected. Like, she looked very much like her father. And I was expecting this tiny little baby. And she was nine pounds, one when she was born. Oh, my
1: gosh, that's big for so a first baby, yeah. She
0: was. And... Um, anyway she was a very definite little child and anyway when she was about five weeks old my ex suddenly turned up one night and he was drunk and he broke into my mother's home and cut through the phone wires and I was just terrified and I took off outside of the house with the baby in my arms and he chased after me and grabbed me by the arm and pulled me towards his car and he was trying to get me to sit in it and he had no regard for me or the baby And the baby could have been knocked to the ground. And Mm. my mother, she tried to intervene, but he knocked her to the ground and she was hurt. And eventually he just pointed his finger at my chest and shouted nasty threats and drove off in his car. And I'm not sure what the neighbours thought, but no one came to help. And I was just even more frightened that no one would ever intervene to help me.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was such a theme, wasn't it? So what did you do after that?
0: Well... Um, I was able to go to a friend's home and I knew I couldn't stay anymore at my mother's home because it would be really unsafe for her and dangerous for me and my friend she allowed me to stay for one night and I needed to be there a bit longer and she was really angry when I was there for a second night and she's supposed to be my best friend but she could only handle it for one night and it showed me that friends can be fickle and they can't be relied on when you're in need Mm. and I just felt more alone than ever and I didn't know what to do. So um, I thought about it and I knew that in my city there's a mothercraft home called Nagala and I was desperate. So I was able to ring them and explain about the problems I was having with the baby's wakefulness and crying and they said that I could come and stay there so we could get the baby and me sorted out. And it was a really precious gift. What a and fantastic stuff.
1: service. Yep. Isn't that brilliant? Was, yep.
0: You know, I, I think that's so important that people
1: really look at your options and really ask for help and really look for help because there is um, astounding, wonderful help that we can source.
0: Yeah, well, that place was marvellous. I don't know if you can still stay there now. They may have changed the rules now, but back then you could stay there and we had no home or anything. So it was just me and the baby and an ex who's after me and who's tracking me down. And so the staff were really, really caring and they worked out that Chloe had lactose intolerance and I arrived on Christmas Eve and I slept for 12 hours. I was so tired. (laughs) And Christmas Day was over by the time I woke up, and so it was the strangest Christmas day I ever had. And we stayed there for two weeks, and um, Chloe became more settled, and I started to feel less afraid and safer for my own welfare, and I told no one where I was going. Um, So I was really amazed and terrified because the staff told me that my ex had been sniffing around asking for me. And that was really scary. Yeah, yeah. So then,
1: you know, like with...
0: Where did you stay
1: and what did you do with Chloe growing up? Like, what happened?
0: Well, um, I was able to stay at Nagala for two weeks and I'd also been seeing my therapist. And she happened to be a psychologist attached to um, a psychiatric um, facility, which was very unusual for those days. It wasn't like a psych hospital. It was a therapy um Holistic Healing Centre.
1: Right. And they
0: had, they had a mother and baby unit in that centre. And if you had um, top hospital cover, which I'd had, um, you could stay there. And it virtually covered the cost of staying there. And after every month, you had to pay $5 a day and you could stay in the crèche attached to the hospital because you actually had to leave the hospital for a week. Then you could come back and go on the health fund again.
1: Right, and okay.
0: so we did that for six years and wow. through
1: therapy,
0: yeah, well, it was a great place. It was like a, a wonderful extended family that I'd never had. And the staff were like family and you could have chats with them. And through therapy, um, you know, I used to go to my groups and they had Mothercraft nurses that would care for Chloe and the food was provided. And if you fell apart, it didn't matter because there were Mothercraft nurses who could take the baby and so i was very very supported there and every feeling i had was allowed because i really did disintegrate into like i had to the life i had i had to completely it dissolved completely whatever it was yeah it wasn't me and it it just fell apart and all of a sudden there i was like a child with not with no knowledge i i I just had no life anymore because everything dropped away everything I'd ever known
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly and you had been in all of that survival where I can't express and I can't feel and I can't be nurtured so you've just internalized 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 and then got into a safe environment and then bang
0: yep it all came out yeah um, you
1: can feel you can let go you can start healing
0: well, I'd never felt any of my feelings and I didn't know what they were. And yeah. I just, I, I mean, I, I was in this And hostage. then that's
1: the thing. I just want to interject there, you know. When we've never felt our feelings and we've disowned them, right? We've disowned them. So there's only two things that we're going to be. And this is the, the real deal. Like we've got that trapped painful emotion that we've disowned. We're either going to be an abuser and a narcissist and have to project it out of ourselves. Or we're going to project
0: it into the field and we're going to bring it to us. Yep. That's why we've got to resolve it. Well, yeah, and I didn't even have any awareness that this was what was wrong. So I couldn't even articulate it. All I know is that here I am. I've fallen apart totally. Mm. I don't know who I am. Um, I just felt so small. And all these feelings like terror, I started to feel terror and rage and hurt. And everything I'd never, ever felt in my life. And, yeah. And it was just fortunate that I was in the environment where I was because the, the therapist had said to me, she said, oh, Suzanne, I think it would be really good for you um, if you would come into the hospital for a few weeks or a few months. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is really serious. Yeah, um, yeah. She I think you're very depressed. And I thought, oh, someone realizes something's wrong with me. Yeah. That's a, that's a first. And... I also knew that for someone to say that a few weeks or a few months, what was wrong was really serious.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was so relieved and we had no home to go to. I was really vulnerable in a real mess. And so um, it was wonderful that I could stay there. And Mm. over that six years, you know, I was in the hospital for six years working on all the stuff. And at the end of six years, I was strong enough to come out and I've never needed to go back. So that's at least one good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, that's the... What gorgeous support. You didn't have any support from, you know, him, your partner or your family and you had this support and you were able to fall apart. And, And absolutely, you know, before the days of energetic healing tools when we can, like, fast track and really, you know, laser focus and shift and up level it can be a really hard gruel you know well it
0: was because i had to go from i said to my doctor once i had a wonderful psychiatrist and i said well how long is it going to take me to grow up because yeah. i have to grow up from the beginning and he said well not as long as it's taking you to get this far and um that's basically what had to happen yeah
1: yeah 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 that's
0: and it. it wasn't any energetic healing then that you could, like you say, fast track it. There was only what there was and that was an amazingly good facility. So Absolutely. I don't know what like,
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was meant to be, huh? You know, well, there's, there's so many things in our life that are meant to be, aren't there? In a, in yes. Amongst all of the disaster, there are so many meant to be's. It's like well, the field always says, you know, okay, you're going through this, you have to evolve this, this is your pattern, this is your stuff, but this is your lifeline. Right. This yep. is this is you know we 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 get it we get it. The the field is very um, gloriously supportive. Like there's always something there. So uh-huh. so when you left there, like okay, what happened then? You moved
0: out, and um, yes, well we moved out, and by that, well when Chloe was six months old, we actually got a homeswest unit. That's a government apartment, and it was in a lovely setting. And I'd never seen it, but I said, I'll take it, because we didn't have a home. And at that stage, I was beginning to be able to be strong enough to come out for um, a weekend every now and then with the baby. And so we'd go there, and then we'd go back into hospital again. Or I'd be out for a couple of months, and everything would fall apart again and back into hospital again. And it was like that for six years. And then when Chloe was two and a half, um, we got this dear little um, house... I found out we could get a west house with property like a land and it meant it would be great for a child growing up. So got this lovely cottage on a quarter acre block and we moved in there. And um, so we had a home to go to on weekends and um, just kept going to the hospital. So over the time of the hospital, I went from being an inpatient to a day patient, eventually to an outpatient. And by the time Chloe was six... Um, I was able to manage being a mother and um, go back to uni and actually found out I was intelligent and um, Chloe went to school.
1: Beautiful beautiful and you're a school teacher now you, Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well you've got a whole heap of little kids that you do amazing stuff with and you love yes, it
0: well, Yeah, well I love it. It's a lot of hard work but I feel like I've got something special to offer them because having been through the experience of um, having to redo my childhood and my whole life I know how little kids feel intimately and so I'm able to see them and hear them for who they really are and yeah I, I love working with children and they're so uncomplicated in a lot of ways and their needs are really quite simple they're very open and yeah I love my work as a teacher
1: Wow, that is just just gorgeous. Okay, so let's
0: go to the second narc. Now, this was the
1: narc before we met.
0: Well, yeah, that one. um, This one was the one that just threw me to say, oh, I've never experienced anything like this. This is is just destroying me. Um, So what happened is that Um, Chloe, I didn't have any relationship. See, this is where the energetic healing comes in because in Chloe's childhood, see, I'd been in the hospital. I'd done a lot of healing work on myself and it was very valid work. And I thought I was really healed. I really, truly thought I was. And I didn't date men when Chloe was growing up because I knew I didn't have enough of me to go around and it took everything I had to look after me and her. And I I couldn't spread it anymore. So I was going to uni and working and I wanted to raise her well and I did. And then when she grew up and she left home, I thought, oh, now I want to have some life for me. I really want a date. I want to um, have a life. And what will I do? Because I felt very lost for a few years after she left. So I started bike riding and started to get healthier and I also decided I wanted to learn Cuban salsa and I don't know why but I love the music loved the dancing and I started to learn and I've been learning for about four years now and anyway um, I had a dancing class on Saturday afternoons it's a workshop that we do And anyway, I met this man, and he was Cuban. His name's Garibaldi, and I met him at dancing. And he was really handsome, and he's black, had natural dreadlocks, and physically he was amazing. And I hid behind him because my teacher always used to get cross if I came late. And I thought, oh my goodness, my heart skipped a beat. And class started, and I concentrated on my dancing and concentrated on him too, and. During the break, I connected with him in the kitchen and he was drinking water and he offered some to me and we started to chat. And I discovered that he was Cuban and a world-class and well-known dancer. He did Afro, Cuban and contemporary. And I learned a lot more about him. And that was my introduction to Cuban culture and its men. And they're very patriarchal and they're narcissistic. They love to drink lots and party and women, they have multiple relationships, etc., And they're charismatic, they're just so charming. I mean, if you've ever met one, you know what I mean, but they're charming, they're handsome, and I was just swept away. And I was no different to thousands of women who met them because they're exciting and they're mercurial and a law unto themselves. But um, there were red flags right from the first date because after the first dance class, he held my hand and wanted me to go to a party that night and he persuaded me to go and when I arrived he wasn't anywhere and I found out later that he turned up half an hour after I left and I discovered that he lived in a tiny unattractive room attached to a house and he rented a room there and there was nothing to commend it and on my first visit there he, um, he drank the better part of a bottle of vodka and was sitting there like a wall he was emotionally unavailable And not only that, but from the beginning, he asked if I could help him. And I asked him why, and he said, well, um, he was short of money, so it amounted to financial assistance. And I refused, and he, he wasn't happy about that. And there were lots and lots of stories about the relationship. And the thing is, it was very, very exciting. And I loved it when we danced together, and he was amazing to dance with. And I loved our times on Tuesday nights and we'd dance the night away at the Mustang Bar with Cuban salsa. And I wasn't a good dancer at that time and he used to get really annoyed when my timing was out. And the other thing is that he'd triangulate me with other women and he'd dance with them like he wouldn't dance with me first. He'd go and dance with them. And I thought, what the hell's going on here? And so I began to feel really insecure. I was uncertain and anxious and frightened and angry and I talked with him about it and bit by bit he'd change and he was able to keep those changes but then he'd find new things that he'd bring in and I thought, oh, I set boundaries, he's keeping those but now he's brought in all these new things and I thought, I've never struck this before, where did that come from and it was a roller coaster and at that point he'd never been to my home and our time together consisted of dancing and we'd spend time in his little room and he'd drink alcohol and listen to Bob Marley and um, that's what we'd do and the music was really loud and I hated that and he also smoked really heavily and anyway that wasn't good for my lungs and anyway I don't tolerate smoke around me but I tolerated it from him for some reason And anyway, we continued on and eventually he came to my home and it was very disturbing at times because he loved Bob Marley and he played the music at really high levels and my solution was to run around the house and I'd turn off the power to the house when it was unbearable and um, pretend it was a power failure and once he was drunk and he upended the fridge and everything tipped out and I couldn't leave and I didn't know what was wrong but... I was feeling like I was falling into little pieces and I can remember one night thinking, I might as well give it all away because this is just too hard. I can't escape. I'm dying. I really felt like I was dying. Oh, it's the most horrible feeling. So how long did that relationship go on with him? Um, about a year and a half at that point, yeah. A oh, year and a half. Wow. Well, okay. And I never felt that bad, even with my ex?
1: No. No, when they hit like a freight train, they hit like a freight train.
0: Well, I was so attracted to him. I couldn't deal with it like yeah. so attracted on one hand and so destroyed on the other. I couldn't make sense of it. So how did you find my information, Suzanne? <laughs> that's a good question because I was just desperate. And I started off looking on the net for boyfriends who um, are very selfish. That's how it started. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know how I found you, but one day I found um, some of your work. I don't know how I found it, but I did. And I started to read and I thought, oh, this makes sense. This is what's been happening to me. And I was just desperate to find a solution. And um, I found out that you also have this program And all this information started to click into place and I'd never heard about no contact before and I'd never heard about, that's right, I read something on, it was one of your articles and it was about peptide addiction. And I was shocked because I'd never heard about that before in my life. I thought, oh, what is this? And um, so I got in touch with you through, I don't know, the there was an email address or something attached to that. Um, It was either a radio program or an article Mm. and I contacted the email address and I bought the program and I started to work it because I was just desperate. I thought, I'm dying. I'm really dying.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, thank God. So you were still with him at that time?
0: Um, I was still with him at that time and then I... An incident happened at my house where he, um, he was staying at my house and I go riding very early in the mornings and I'd picked up his jeans which were on the chair and out of the pocket of his jeans, it was a really fortuitous experience because out of that pocket fell three rings. One was my mother's eternity ring, oh. one was a, um, a sapphire ring that belonged to my father yes. and one was my own emerald ring. Right. And they fell out of his pocket and I just I was livid and um I got him out of bed, I said, You're leaving now and I drove him to the train station on the way to riding and I said, Don't ever darken my door again
1: Yeah. What a good expression. Don't ever darken my door again. I like that.
0: Yeah, like don't don't try it. Oh and I think I needed something like that to make it clear because on one hand, I knew it was really bad, but on yes. the other, I was so vague. It was like being in this fog, and I'm thinking I can't make sense of this. And it took something like that for me to say, "What can this be happening? I've got to get I've got to get him, this man out of my life now."
1: So you were doing NARP at the
0: time. Like,
1: were you working the modules at that point? Oh,
0: no, I just got it. Oh,
1: <laughs> just you just got it right. So it was all like the timing all came together.
0: It all came together and. The timing was perfect, and um, it all came together. And so, what I would do, I would just get the modules, and I hadn't read any of the information because all I wanted was to get those modules. And I just looked up the ones that seemed relevant. Right. And I just went for it. Everybody what? else, please do read your instruction book. <laughs> well, I was desperate, and I thought, "What's the ones that matter here the most?" Yeah. And. The, and, and it was different then because we didn't have the new forum, so the modules are easier to access. But all I did was I looked down the list and I thought, number two, the ideal partner, not. Do that one quick. And number nine, set up the connection. <laughs> so, yes. oh, they got done to death. And I've had this little book and I just used to write down, um, I used to write down all the information and go through the protocols. And I was amazed that as I started to write down all the information, more stuff would come up
1: yeah. that I
0: didn't even know was there. And I put all this stuff in the modules and I actually felt energy leave my body. Um, sometimes it was really um, powerful and I thought, oh, something's gone out of me that was there before and I'd feel lighter and happier. And sometimes something would shift and the charges always kept going down and Um, I found that my life on the outside was changing and I I was feeling more peaceful and I was just feeling like some joy and things were changing too, like my work got better, everything started to go more smoothly um, and it was like as I was taking this stuff out of me, as it was coming out of me, um, I just noticed that um, things that I'd found really hard to do before like... um, Looking after me, that's right, I spent a lot of time focusing on caring for myself and at that time, um, I just didn't want to be around people very much and I'm a very gregarious person but I'd go dancing, I'd go riding but I'd just stay at home and I'd think, what do I need to do to look after me now? Mm. I'd have baths, I'd go riding, I'd
1: eat
0: food, I'd um, sort out my house I just do really nurturing things and mm. that's so important. And It I is, don't... isn't that
1: such yes. an important step, you know, yes. to really go in and to really self-nurture and to really heal. And, that, and it, it's true, you know, if you just stay gregarious and running around and trying to keep busy to get yourself through it, you don't really heal. You've got to do that incubation and come right in and do all that work and... Self- nurturing, and then what you do is you expand that out into life once you've got that real foundation and that basis in, and then it's just gorgeous.
0: Yeah, well, it's got a lot more peaceful, and my relationships with people have changed too, because I wasn't able to set boundaries before or what I understood as boundaries, and yeah um, I've become very clear over the past year or two about what boundaries actually are. And I've been able to set very, very clear ones with quite a lot of people. And um, when they're violated, I'm able to say to those people that they've violated that particular boundary and I'm just not prepared to tolerate it in my life anymore. And anything that disturbs my peace has to go um, because it's not who I am really. And I've realized that I'm valuable and um, I deserve a lot better. And the other thing I've learned, and one thing you said and I've always understood this about being a source to myself. Mm. Like you can't get anything from another person or, mm. or a situation. You actually have to be that yourself. And I think it's I read... so true.
1: It's so true. You know, if you're trying to get happiness, you're going to find misery. Because you can't get happiness and love. You have to be it. You have yes. to radiantly be it. And then you start generating... it But you've already got it. You just start generating more of it with life and other people.
0: Well, that's right. So that's what all the self-care was about, learning to be with me and stay with me and find out what I needed to do for me next. And um, I don't know why, but I just found that... And it's even still a bit like that, like not needing to be around people so much... I just am busy with my work and busy with dancing and everything and things that nurture me. And I guess I just have a relaxation now about it all because I realize that what's supposed to be mine will be mine. I don't have to go out searching for anything. I love that. I
1: love that.
0: I just have to live my life each day, nurturing me, being me, and not proving anything to anyone. And. It'll just happen because it's me. And if it's not ready and if it's not me, then it's not meant for me to have. And that made me calm down a lot because I realized what's inside is what's outside. You know,
1: I've got goosebumps, right, all over, which is just, (laughs) well, it is. It's a resonation of truth, right? And people listening, you might have known that when somebody says something and you get goosebumps. It's like your whole body cue, your chi, your energy goes, yes. And the thing is, Suzanne, you've got this somatically, right? What you yep. just said, you can't actually have that as just a head concept. You have to know it through every cell of your body. And when you do the work, the inner work, and you really release so many of those inner wounds, and going to that point, you would have found, like doing that deep inner journey with NARP, you would have found a lot of, the original wounding and reasons as a child, like those deep programs, am I right?
0: Yeah, because one thing that never got touched on in the hospital, like I dealt with the feelings, but um, none of the deep belief systems that underpin those feelings, none of them was dealt with. And had they been, had there been something that would have helped me to understand them, um, because it was all basically cognitive, but what I've since discovered is that this stuff's energetic and you can't get it out through thinking or talking or cognitive work or you know just being with a therapist you actually have to get it out from yourself because it's stuck in there and so what I discovered was that um, I had all these underlying beliefs that were causing the feelings and the situations to happen in my life because if I had have been able to remove all these things with my ex-boyfriend um, Uh, Like I wouldn't have even got involved with him because it wouldn't have even been part of my psyche to begin with. But because I had underlying beliefs like I'm not enough on my own, um, I need someone to make me happy, I need a man, all these beliefs. There were so many of them. And I didn't realize I had all these beliefs. And I only know by the results that came into my life that I had these beliefs so that's
1: so but, true you know when we're stuck in unconsciousness it's our normal we don't know it's there like we're no. surviving and living in it and it's just our normal it's
0: actually not until we start shifting out of it and finding it we go oh my god now i get it yeah because it came out of me and as i said like when i was doing the modules um i do one protocol and then all this other stuff had come up all these images or Thoughts or feelings, and I thought, oh, I didn't know that was there. And mm. there was some that were really, really hard to deal with. And I thought I was going to die. And I think I For contacted sure. you once, and I said, look, I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. I'm really going to die. And you just said, no, it's just something that's a deep um, belief that's about to shift. And so, you no, know, it's going to be okay. Because I was panicking, and I thought I'm dying. I'm really going to die here. And it was so painful. And anyway, it did shift. And Um, it was another big belief that was out of me and that's all it was and so all those all those old beliefs um, as I did the uh, modules they got released and sometimes I'd fall asleep because I'd be halfway through a module and I'd just be asleep and so I thought I'll leave it on (laughs) and just keep going but you know I filled this little book and kept writing and as I did, the charges got less and I'd do them again and the charges would get less and the charges would get less and then they were down to almost non-existent for lots of things and um, then I found, oh, I haven't got any feeling about that now and so now I use the modules when there's something that comes up that needs shifting but, you know, I'm feeling happy and peaceful most of the time and life's nice and it's going along, it's going on better than it's ever gone and I'm just amazed because at school, I've just done my reports and although it was very time-consuming, I was the first one to have them done. They weren't problematical. Everything went smoothly and everything in my life now is just going smoothly. So I think, wow, this mm. is so cool.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. The inner matches the outer. It's The inner yeah. generates the outer. It's so, so true. You know, and what you said about Look, there are times, absolutely, in our journey when we meet ourselves, it's intensely painful. You know, the most courageous thing we can ever, 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 ever do in our life is go within and meet our wounds and be prepared to deal with them. But the cool thing is, is we've actually got a tool that can, you know, and that's that's where the big, big, and we've got lots of support, and we've got lots of you know amazing stuff in this community, and lots of amazing people. And Suzanne's actually one of the moderators. In um, a Facebook group, uh, and also she's a moderator in the NART forum, and she's amazing. You know the people that know Suzanne. Suzanne is just so amazing with her information and her answers and her tapping into people. You know you're one of the just most amazing moderators in there that help support people on this journey. And I think you know anybody that's listening to Suzanne's story, it's massive, right? It's massive. You know, look at what you went through look at look at what you went through. It's a really, really big story, and you know to come out the other side of that and be doing what you're doing
0: and now you're helping people and, well, and that's, yeah, that's what I think I came to earth to do. Um, I don't know about past lives, but I did actually go and have a past life session. yes, because yep. I was really curious yeah and um interestingly um um one of the questions i had to ask was why am i here on earth and the answer came back you're here to share your wisdom with others Mm. and anyway i thought well that's really interesting and i think that's what i want i want every human on earth to be fully who they are to be healed and to be whole and Mm. to have the life they're meant to they're meant to have
1: yeah
0: amen to that that's, That's what my talking. big
1: driver. That's what I love, you know.
0: Like, yeah, so um, mm. I just really hope that what I can offer comes out of my pain and my learning journey because I think that even though, you know, I could have ended up as anything in life like a prostitute or an alcoholic or whatever, but somehow um, I was protected from all that because I never did become any of those things. Yeah. But I kept a soft heart and... I learned and learned and I worked and worked so I could get to this point because, um, you know, this journey was so important to do and although it's been painful, the alternative was not what I would have wanted my life to be.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So now I want to be available to help as many people as possible just heal and if I can offer anything towards that, that's what I want to do. So, yeah
1: oh that's beautiful that's beautiful and it's so true you know when we become conscious we want to help everybody else come out of the trance too and become conscious and take their power back and like you said the most beautiful words we want them to be who they really are you know
0: that's right who we are without
1: our wounds is who we are and it's you know and Suzanne Suzanne's always doing like these gorgeous little posts about you know I love it she's Like, if you follow Suzanne, it's like, oh my God, she's cooking, she's dancing, she's bike riding, (laughs) she's having a friend over for this most delicious dish and, you know, like she's got such a cool life going on with what you're doing. It's just, it is awesome.
0: It's a happy life and I love my home and my kitten's 10 months old now and he's delightful and my other cat is too and I just love my life because there's no drama in it and I love my work and it feels like everything's seamless now and I love dancing and my dance community and I love riding and um, my gears have been out of whack so they've been in to get fixed. My bike's been in the hospital and anyway I plan to go riding in the morning and you know Mm. life's just so rich and I'm just so thankful for all the good things that are in it. I'm just very fortunate I think.
1: Well, isn't that gorgeous? And that's how life should be, and how it should be generating without the wounds. Yeah, without absolutely. Them,
0: and you're peaceful.
1: Yeah, and you've you've got all this released energy to actually create and generate with, and be joy with. So, Suzanne, if you've got any, because we're about to finish off. So, have you got any messages or any like anything that you'd like to say to the community?
0: Yes, I'd just like to say that if you're in pain and if you've had a really long struggle and you may be aware of some of the things that are causing you pain or some things that might have happened in your childhood or you may be living with someone who's a narcissist or is another toxic sort of person, if you've got any of that kind of pain and you want your life to be different, then I would suggest that you become involved with the NART program and use it because it will shift all of that pain out of you. You would need to be committed to the journey but the end result will be a life that you'll love to live and it will be so different to what you've ever known. You'll find that you become more secure in yourself. You'll be peaceful and joyous as you go through the journey and I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to um, have a really full and healed life. I don't know. Um, some people choose not to, but I certainly don't, didn't want to have the life that was the, where I was dragging myself through every day. So I'd say if you want a really good life, clean out all the pain that's in it, get the NART program, and there's no reason why any human being can't get that NART program. Um, if you can't afford it, you can get it at $20 a month, which is even less than the price of two cups of coffee a week. Um, and if you're really stuck you can apply to Melanie and find a way to get it there's no reason why anyone cannot have this program and sure the modules might be long and you might think oh my goodness this is going on forever but you know your life and your soul is worth it because um, I don't know about you but being really depressed and in the hospital and not able to leave and not having any sort of life I thought my life is over how am I going to survive with a baby but you know my baby's grown up and I've got a whole life and where I started out is nowhere where I ended up and everyone can have that everyone can have the life that they were born to have and so I'd say um, don't give up on yourself just get the NART program, get all that stuff out of you. And there's so many people in the community who've realized that and they're now having really interesting lives. And even the people who are just starting to come through and work the NART program and starting to realize, oh, gee, you know, I'm living with this man and or woman because it's not just men, it's women too. Um, I'm living with this person and my life's feeling like it's fragmenting I mean, you know, some people choose to stay with that, but why have that in your life when you can have something so much more rich and powerful? That's what I'd say.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you're for everybody listening, Suzanne is one of the moderators in the NARP forum, people that are on the gold package, which is still incredibly affordable. It's 35 a month. Um, and Suzanne's right. You know, if there's anybody out there who's in financial stress who wants to come on NARP, you can apply to be sponsored, right? There is no reason why you can't get involved in this healing community whatsoever. And there's so many of us, I'm in the NARP forum every day as well, popping in. There's so many incredible, incredible people in there to help hold your hand and you know, stand with you and beside you and under you and over you to, to help you heal because we're all very passionate about it incredibly passionate well Suzanne it has just been an absolute pleasure having you on you're just amazing and you were so good you're just you you just your story was amazing no <laughs> it's a long one <laughs> yeah yeah you did it beautifully so I'm just so grateful for you coming on in and, and sharing and being with me tonight
0: my pleasure
1: all right my love and i'll be talking to you and looking at your yummy recipes soon i've got the next one going keep them up um, i've got to make that dal. i haven't got onto that yet i've been using up what i've got in the fridge on my menu We'll,
0: we'll do that and there's another one for i know people might say oh that's so gross but brussels sprouts if you slice them really thinly
1: oh my goodness
0: and cook them in olive oil with garlic and a little bit of chili oh. and some pine nuts. Is that making you feel hungry?
1: No, actually, you got me. you got me. You've fed him. <laughs> I could be vegetarian around you. You're amazing. Yeah.
0: Vegetarian food is really good, but, you know, there's so many delicious things. And I'm not a vegetarian, totally. I do have some chicken and fish. Yeah. But, you know, if you make food and you share it and you, and you make really good food for your body, your yes. body really loves it. So you have to make the dal and tell me what you think of it. Oh,
1: I will. I've got the recipe tucked away. I'm looking. I love dal, so I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Well, make sure you put the cumin in, and you've got to put lots of garlic.
1: Okay, beautiful.
0: beautiful fantastic
1: all right and that's another benefit you get being a part of the art forum is suzanne's (laughs)
0: recipes (laughs) they even made a special place on the forum to put them now
1: i know well i'm not surprised
0: on there i know it's fantastic
1: it's awesome all right suzanne you have a lovely night and thank you so so much for coming on
0: thanks mel it's been great
1: okay darling bye-bye bye Well, I hope you all enjoyed Suzanne's story. It's an amazing, amazing story. And uh, yeah, and I'll be putting up the recording and a little little summary. We're not going to actually put up the full transcript. I'm going to put up a little summary of this story and that'll be going out on the blog today. And I'm sure Suzanne will be absolutely happy to answer any of your questions and comments and i will be as well so that's it for me everybody bye-bye and lots of love and see you next week bye-bye